Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition. Um, yes, job half done. That's the title today because yes, you know what? Um, for the All Blacks, it has been um, about these two games. So yes, the All Blacks edition. We're talking about the two games. We're talking about um, obviously the England game, which they won by a single point, 15-16. Uh, and then also for um, look towards the next game, which is Ireland, um, number two in the world, hosting number one in the world. The game we have been all looking forward to all year. This is it. We are nearly there. And joining me um, to talk all about this is Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Not too bad at all, Paul. And uh, once again, good evening to uh, your listeners out there, your international uh, listeners and everybody who's just waiting with bated breath for our every word. <laughs> really, really important. This is this is the big test of the year. And uh, like like a lot of the punters out there, I can't wait either. Absolutely. No, it should, should be a cracker. But before we move on to that and talk about the next one, let's look back on uh, on, on the England versus uh, the All Blacks uh, game. A wet game. I mean, that's uh, it, it is what it is. We can't. Uh, there's if buts and maybes as to what it was dry. But hey, it wasn't. Um, and it came down to that single point. What were your thoughts on the game then? What were your, your key takeaways? Oh, listen, I think, I think first of all, in terms of entertainment and keeping me on the edge of my seat, because that's what we all, we, that's what we all ask for in sport. I, I thought, it, I thought it was fantastic. And to be brutally honest, if it was a game that could have gone England's way, I think they would have fully deserved the victory as well. They'll, they'll probably look back at this particular game, you know, not looking at the main incident that everybody's been talking about and probably just think about their line out, which just basically, went off the rails, especially in the second half. And and also, probably just, they gave the All Blacks a couple of opportunity in, in terms of their kick game, because I think that was one of the real key areas where England was so good, their kick game was so good, especially in that first 35 minutes or so. They gave the All Blacks no room to to attack, and I also thought their line speed were very good. You know, they, they were they were damn good op- op- opposition for the All Blacks, and... Uh, I had no qualms if they took out the victory. At the end of the end of the day, the All Blacks get get across the line, and to say they were lucky, you'd have to say, yeah, they were they were lucky. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily go, go as far as lucky. Um, I think both sides, uh, unlike last weekend when England, uh, where South Africa lost to England rather than England beating them, um, this weekend uh, there wasn't neither side really lost it or neither side really beat them. Beat the other side, it was. It was just, it was yeah a flip of a coin. It came down to just that one that that one thing that may that, that went that went either way. I, yeah, you're right on that on that kick chase. I remember one of them where um, Farrell ran out the line, uh, the kick chase line, and allowed himself to be stepped around and left a gap in the line behind him, and then that, that led to one of the uh, w- one of the three points that um, uh, that New Zealand came up with. And it is on small margins that some of these games do. Uh, uh, do are balanced on, um, and it was great to see one that was because I tell you, I went into this game as an England fan. You can see the jersey. Sorry, this is the All Blacks edition, but I am English, so I thought I'd, I would be uh, be totally upfront and honest. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I, I, I feared for England being drummed by fifteen twenty points, uh, but so yeah, very happy that it was in, within one. You know, <clears throat> Twickenham has, has never been an, an, an easy place having. Watch the All Blacks for a good part of part of my life. Like there's, you know, there's two venues in, in world rugby that you're you, you're always concerned about. In fact, I might even I may I might even throw in a third one as well. I, I know sometimes the All Blacks they can trip up at the Sydney Football Stadium when they when they play the Australians, and also Alice Park as well. Alice Park has had a bit of a reputation for being a, a graveyard for the All Blacks, but the but the single the single ground that I, I think that strikes a lot of here and, and, and New Zealand rugby fans is, is, is Twickenham. We all, we all know that the, the conditions over there with the consistent rate, it's got a very heavy atmosphere. Um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about the atmospheric conditions. It's got a very partisan crowd. Boy, they know they know how to, they let you know they let you know they're there. Put it that way, the English English fans. And you know, and it, it, I think it helps the English side. They, they feed a lot of momentum off that. And uh, I just think, in terms of the execution, it, it, it was very good. They'll look back at this game and just just think, 
just that line out that to me that was the, that was the key learning from there i I probably had one question to why was Hartley injured or was that a and you know was that a, a timed replacement to bring Jamie George on because I, I I think that was really the, that was really key for England. It was, and um, but uh, um, there's been an article in the Times now. It's behind a paywall, so I'm not able to read it. That apparently explains quite uh, in depth as to what happened around um, and around the lineouts. And I've gone blank as to the exit England international that wrote that, but he was a second row, and the lining out was was his thing. Um, but from I've not managed to find it anywhere else. But yesterday morning I was on the Mall Over podcast. Um, Along with JB from the Egg Chasers as well, we had a we had five 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 or oh, sorry four Englishmen and a, and a Welshman um, spent over an hour discussing this game, um, and uh, apparently um, uh, Dylan Hartley uh, had an injured thumb or finger, um, which is why he went off. But I'd say I've not found any other reference to that anywhere else. Uh, but they but yeah, there was a suggestion there that yeah he was injured he, he was injured, um, and whilst yes they did change the hooker, if you're going to throw to three. And if um, the number two and the four are both being thrown up in the air by the opposition, you're going to struggle. And, that, and they really needed to have be throwing to two, not to three, and not allowing the all black jumper to get up in front of in front of them. Um, and that's that, that, that that's where it sort of seemed to fall apart. Um, and yes, yeah, it didn't. Uh, it, it, it unfortunately, well, fortunately from an English point of view, um, they got disrupted big time. And uh, Brody Retallick had a yeah had a blinder. Yeah, and I think the other key guy too was the um, the entrance of of Scott Barrett as well. Just seemed to get off the ground that little bit, little a little bit quicker, just beating the 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 opposition jumper to the jump, which was which was real key as well. And I could probably think of and the thing about it, England really had some really good field position. I can remember them being in the twenty two or around about the twenty two at that particular time. That that was that was key as well. Not not to me. Those um, attacking malls as well. Um, and Alex puts a, a good point here on the um, uh, in the chat. He said, "What both teams get out of this game is going to be huge for the coming World Cup, um, especially All Blacks closing out such a close game as they only experience a few close games like this um, a year." And that has been my kind of concern around the All Blacks: is their ability to uh, cope with adversity because they just don't get it very often nowadays. No, no, no. No, not 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 at all. Um, they they really have to once again they have to, to pretty much look look for their leaders. This is where this is where your your leaders. I know Kieran Reid copped a lot of criticism after the Springbok loss in Wellington, but to be fair to, to Kieran, he's he's got complete trust in this in this All Black team. And and once again, I thought it was a a, a great bit of captaincy. Just before halftime, when he decided to take the scrum, me sitting at home on the couch was saying, "Take the three points. You need three points. You need something to go into halftime." And all of us, all of a sudden, with the Owen Farrell mistakes, that seven points become ten, ten points, and they they were pretty much right back in the game. Oh, absolutely, they were. That was that, that, that was definitely a big a big turning point in there. I'm just going to back up the truck a second here because obviously Ashwin's not with us tonight. He can't make it. Um, and I've got to use this term. Um, but uh, to your comment about the crowd and about the atmosphere. Now, um, I must admit, I, I watched it on record, so I skipped over the hacker. But there's been a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of outrage around uh, England singing or the England fans singing during the hacker. Go on. Um, bring, us, uh, bring us your point of view on that one. Oh, for crying out that It's a case of win in Rome. They, they, crowd can absolutely do what they do what they like. I'm. I've absolutely got no issue with it. I know there's a few people out there that are that are that are a wee bit precious about it. I'm I'm not too fussed about for anything that gives your home team an advantage. <clears throat> it's just the way it goes. I mean, I mean to say, just to give you an idea, I was watching the women's international between France and New Zealand on the Saturday morning, and I was quite surprised to hear the New Zealand goal kicker being booed by the French crowd. So I reckon they I reckon they might boo anybody, but you know, it is, it is what it is. No issues with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you totally. I, I think it, it, it's a challenge laid down, and people are allowed to um, um, uh, people are allowed to uh, allowed to respond to that challenge in, in the way that is is culturally appropriate where they are. If you're, yeah, you 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 accept the culture you're travelling to. The culture for for rugby 
in, um, especially in, 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 in the UK as a whole, is singing. So that's how you respond yeah. to things. Um, now, over anthems, totally disagree. You don't. Anthems are sacros- Anthems, you both listen to each other's anthem. Um, but this isn't an anthem. This is something different. Um, and I think, yeah, that, to, to me, that's absolutely fine. I mean, uh, Kieran Reader said it's fine in the past as well. So, yeah, so I, I think we'll we'll, um, uh, we'll kind of probably move on from that one. Um, uh, Christopher Edward Bailey, just very quickly, says, I don't think they should do the hacker in the UK. Um, I think a lot of fans would be upset if they didn't. A lot of fans like to see it um, as well. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think it's become. Uh, it's it's it, 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 I do find it amusing when I watch a black and white video back from the sort of sixties or whatever of them trying to do the hacker, and it is um, yes, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. not a, it's not a uh, uh, it's not what it is today. It is a living and breathing uh, culture here in New Zealand, um, and uh, yeah, and these cultures change over time. And I think if it doesn't change over time. It, it will die off. And I think by having this singing response, I think that's a good way of it living and breathing and moving on personally. There we go. Cool. Um, so any, so you, you mentioned, you, you, you call out um, Scott Barrett. I think that was, was, was and I can't remember if you did that in the pre-show or you've done that during the show itself. Um, but other players on the New Zealand side, who you think played well? Yeah, <clears throat> I, I... I, I don't know if it was vintage New Zealand performance. When you when you when you sometimes talk about a vintage All Black performance, you could probably pick about a half a dozen guys who had really really great games. But you know, there's there's, there's one there's one that stands alone, and that's obviously Brody Retallick. I, I I I thought his performance was 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 massive. A little little bit of talk too about about Brian Crotty when he came on the field, and I thought Crotty. Played well, but I think Crotty does what Crotty does. He, he's very direct. He's, he's not going to try and probably try and offload as much as Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams does. I thought also in terms of the guys that started. I, listen, I, I, I like the way Artie Savia is going at the moment. I think he, he sort of brought a he brought a quite a bit of physicality. <clears throat> Gives me in in the in the breakdown, and, and he went pretty well. And I I, I thought in the main. You know, the front, the front, the, the front five were were, uh, were were relatively adequate. I'm sort of looking, I'm just looking at it out in the back line. I know Braden Barrett probably copped a, copped a bit of criticism, but they were stuck under a lot of pressure from England in that first 35 minutes minutes or so. But he, one thing about Barrett, I think he did get better as the game went on. Well, I think the whole team did. I mean, uh, if we look at how England scored those 15 points. Um, the first what the first um, point, uh, try came off because Brady Retallick knocked it on uh, at the restart. Um, the next three points came because of an overthrow from the uh, the lineout, um, and then we went into a period of of the game where both sides were were filling each other out. And I think the All Blacks blinked first by knocking it on uh, a kick, and that allowed England to get up fifteen nil. After that. The, they didn't manage to, um, the, the All Blacks didn't make the mistakes that would, that allowed England to make points, basically. And we, I just said, you can see England scored three times from three, um, uh, from three All Blacks mistakes. Uh, and that's, uh, at this level, especially in that weather, uh, you're going to get punished. Yeah. You, you know, I think, I think the start was key for, was real key for England. You know, they saw the Brady Retallick. Mistake. They capitalised on it by by scoring a try, and and once again some really good play to identify that that space on the on the uh, right on the right right hand side. That was a really well taken try, and that was just the momentum they needed. And straight away you bring the crowd into the game, and that's what England did very very well. Listen, I was mightily impressed. You know, a real scary thought. We know how much go go forward they get from the two Vinnie Puller brothers. You know that that would have just added another dimension. Had, had those two chaps had been on the field in terms of in terms of ball carrying, but um, yeah, I, I think for England, just just a missed opportunity from from their point of view. Oh yes, they'll they'll definitely probably see it that way. Uh, but considering where they were after the July tests and losing two games to uh, sorry after the June tests and losing two games to South Africa, uh, they're in a much better situation now um, than they were then, um, to, 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 to be honest. Um, and so 
Um, we've kind of gone through most of the All Blacks. Actually, the other person that had a decent game was DMAC um, at fullback as well. Um, but um, so, who from England impressed you though? Because we've talked about the All Blacks a lot. Oh, listen, I I, I think um, two of the loose forwards, the number eight that came into the side, his name just escapes, uh, escapes me. And, yeah, I, I listen. I thought for a guy playing in only what is second second or third test was it? I don't think he's played too many. Too many tests for England. I think it's his second you, start, but only is like his third test. Yeah, he's very, yeah, very, yeah. very experienced. You know, I I thought he was very good. Brought a, brought a lot of physicality. Um, you know, England by almost injury or by mistake could have actually found a, a good number seven as well. And and Underhill, not too sure who he plays for in terms of Gallagher Premiership, but uh, so he plays. He, he he now plays for Bath. Um, but some. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's. He, He's kind of been one of those players who they want to have first choice. Has had injuries, unfortunately, uh, that have got in the way of his development. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, uh, lucky that uh, he's fit when someone else has got injured and Underhill's in a position to play, which is, uh, yeah, for, for, for Seven, he had a great game um, as well. Um, ben, Youngs. ben Youngs as well. I, I, I felt a remiss to, to Ed just getting in the next. I thought ben, ben Youngs kicking, especially in the first half, was absolute pinpoint. Just got a, a little bit of wobbles with a couple of kicks in the second half. One thing England did really, really well, a lot of their kicks were down the tram line, which cut a lot of the space. And even when Danny Kerr came on, I thought some of his kicking was very, very smart. Down the tram lines, forcing the All Blacks into the 22 and then cutting the space down through the middle, getting the chases up there and quickly. And they played a really good game of force back in that, that final uh, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, I... I Young's is on because yeah, Young starts rather than Care because of his kicking. Um, whereas Care comes on and is supposed to be the more kind of active, running, sniping kind of player. But yeah, as you say, Care's kicking was also was was also very good. Uh, I've been impressed by Johnny May and how he's uh, transformed his game. Um, and from from just being a guy who's quick out wide who gets the ball, his work rate is is much better nowadays. Um, and he does as much good work sort of kick chasing as he does actually with ball in hand nowadays, which I think is which uh, which, which impressed me as well. Oh well, well Elliot Daly's a, isn't he a converted fullback, a guy who started started on the wing and and, and moved back to fullback? But no, he's, he's actually converted centre. So he's a centre, moved he's to wing, good. now gone to fullback. Ah. So that's why, yeah, he, he he needs a few more a few more games at fullback really to get uh, to get his position positioning and perhaps under the high ball correct. I think. No, no, there's some good backs running around out there. You know, I think probably for England's sake, they'll be hoping that they can get somebody like Manu Tuolangi back to that form in 2012 when he was absolutely devastated. And I must admit, even when Tuolangi came out came out to New Zealand with, with the English side, he looked like he was going to be something absolutely special. And just it's unfortunate that injuries have actually curtailed his his career. Because he's a one, he's a line breaker. He'll give you, he'll give you a gain line. He, he is a fantastic, yeah, he is. But you kind of think, are his muscles so big they actually hurt himself? Um, and they kind of. Umbias <laughs> um, Rugby says even though Carl Sinclair did okay against, uh, he thought Carl Sinclair did okay against King Carl. I thought Sinclair had a good game, especially in the loose, in the tight. Uh, sorry, in, in the actual scrimmaging, not so great. Carl, and and um, I prefer to see Sinclair come off the bench and have a have a more of a scrummager. Um, to start, but that's uh, that, that, that's a personal opinion. Um, I I totally agree. I think he would be great impact off off the bench. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you say there. Cool. And that's and that's that's one of the keys for England moving moving forward is not just to develop develop their game, but also have a strong bench as well. That's that's always been the the key with the All Blacks. You know, lucky they got some they got some good value from a. A couple of the guys that that came off, well, arguably, Crotty came off the bench. If you think about the guys that came off the bench, Barrett, Coles, they they all they all added something. Those guys, and that's probably the key for England moving forward. That was, it's, it's exciting times for them, and and they're, and they're capable of playing a good brand of rugby. Like I had a couple of friends who said to me, "Oh, it was a was a boring game," and I'm thinking to myself, oh, "Did I did I miss something?" Seriously, that that had me on the edge of my edge of my seat. You know, no no disrespect to our, our Japanese friends a couple of weeks ago, but you you knew that game was won 
20 minutes in. And, you know, it, it was boring. You just want to see how these guys are guys, guys are travelling. I, I think in terms of when... I think when... I don't think Eddie Jones would be... Like, he'd be, he'd be a little bit angst that they lost, but I don't think he'd be too disappointed because all of a sudden he knows, gee, we weren't at full strength today. We had, a, we had a lot of personnel missing, and we matched these guys. And we matched them... Take the weather out of the equation. We matched them with the game plan. That's the thing. And I, one area I actually thought the All Blacks would have some dominance was at scrum time. But that, that actually didn't quite eventuate. No, and, the, 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 the All Blacks have got one of the best scrums in the world at the moment. Um, and uh, But you, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think Eddie Jones, even though they lost, and he'll go, yep, we, we, uh, um, from where he was three weeks ago to where he is now, he'll be very happy. Um, um, with, with with all that. So the one thing we've managed to skirt around and not really talk about um, is the disallowed try and the offside. Um, we're not going to spend very long on this, but go on, quick, quickly, what was your opinion? Oh, well, I suppose at the end of the day, they left it to the officials to come up with the, you know, once again, it's one of those things. If it had gone the other way, I probably wouldn't have worried about it too much. If it was totally missed by the officials and England scored, it is what it is. My... I would have been basically, from an all-black point of view, I would have been basically saying, oh, hang on, where was the cover around Perinara? Because there was no cover there, if you think about it, regardless of where Courtney Laws was. You know, the other little anomaly is, what would have happened if Underhill, in the act of diving for the try, loses the ball over the line? What is that? Is that a dropout 22 or a five-metre scrum? The play just carries on. They don't go back and, they don't go back and have a look have a look at the incident, and nobody knows any different. Um, yeah, it, 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 I know England were probably they're so desperate for the win, and I think it's, it probably comes through in a lot of the guys on, on Fleet Street just reading some of the art, the articles. You know, we, we, we were robbed, and you know, if the, if the boot if the boot was on the other shoe, we'd probably all be throwing our arms up back here saying, "Oh, really?" <laughs> you know, and. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it was offside, but I think I think you'll find the song offside at ninety percent of rucks in a similar way anyway. Um, so yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things about the materiality of it is they go back and they check it, unfortunately, and uh, yeah, well, from an England point of view, um, and they did. Yep, he he, I think he was stepped stepped a little bit too far forward. One one thing it actually does does say if you look at the still pitches, Jerome Garcia is right there, isn't he? Yeah, and it, it much says to me that referees don't pick everything up it's just it's one of the beauties of, of 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 rugby union sometimes you know even even i heard people saying that oh england were offside all day well <clears throat> you know that's once again that that's debatable there were probably times where the all blacks were pushing the boundary yeah the all blacks have built their history on pushing the boundaries <laughs> in and in, in, in about time and, and and offside line the key is to getting away with it that's, that's oh, have- the key and on the Having on, been to eighteen, I mean, to eighteen minus ten cup games, and sat in the crowd and uh, sat in the press boxes, um, I think I can pretty much say every single game there's someone shouting out to the ref saying they're in offside all day, ref. Um, so yeah. <laughs> if I if I will, uh, one thing I will say about Courtney Laws, he's a world class forward, and I, I must admit, I think he added, with the greatest respect, and a lot of talk in and around Brad Shields, but I think Courtney Laws adds more. He adds more as a carrier more at physicality and I think he's actually a, a legitimately a better better line out option and he puts a lot of pressure on at breakdown and he's he got heaps of mongrel as well and in, in terms of Brad Shields I was I was a little bit underwhelmed to be to be brutally honest yeah so he quite laws is is generally a lock rather than a six to be honest uh, a mobile lock, don't get me wrong, but he's a lock rather than the six. And in a very mobile game, which this wasn't because it was wet, he'll get caught out. Um, because this was a bit of a slower game because of the warts, because of the rain, uh, uh, he got to show all his he, 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 he got to show all his skills. Um, I mean, but as a, as a lock, he's a very mobile lock. He's not quite a mobile six, um, and that's that's kind of I think that that, that that's where uh, horses for courses. And we saw we saw New Zealand do the same thing, and we saw them take off. Um, I've gone blank. Um, they took off their six and replaced him with Barrett as well. Barrett didn't come on yeah, for a lock. Barrett came on for Squire. Um, so both sides did it. 
Um, I think I, might, I think that was part of the conditions. But I did get asked by some friends, uh, but well, actually on, on the on the um, the more level podcast, it was like, what does Brad? What 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 does Shields bring? I mean, for me, he's one of those players that I just don't see very much during a game. He doesn't see because he's not really that link player. Because Ali Surveyor did that for the Hurricanes, um, he's not. He, he doesn't seem to rack up the fifteen twenty tackles. So he's not the first guy doing the tackles. What, 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 what is his big thing? Because I mean, uh, obviously he was captain of the Hurricanes and very much respected there. Yeah, I, you know, to me, for, with, with Brad Shields, I've, I've never seen enough cons- consistency from Brad Shields, even even during Super Rugby. We know that he's capable of, of playing some good footy. And we saw that season collectively, the, the year that the Hurricanes actually won the title and he played some good rugby, but it, it, it wasn't eye-catching rugby. It wasn't the sort of rugby that was ever going to put, I think Jerome Kaino might have been the, the, the all-black number six at the time. And, and even in even in recent times, I, I still think yeah, even in terms of all-blacks and the reason he never got picked, the only reason he got kind of looked at really came down to injuries at, at the end of the day. And... Uh, no, I, I just don't know. It's just that with the greatest respect, and he's playing at a level that I've, I've a well that I've never been to. So uh, he's a, you know, good good luck for, first of all for putting it all on the line and, and 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 making making the England team. But you know, you kind of you kind of watch the Gallagher Premiership sometimes, and I almost get the impression I can't give you any names, but almost it'd be great to see if some of our listeners out there who follow the Gallagher Premiership. If there's any other <clears throat> players out there who, who might be possible better options, it just, just seems to me he was one of these players that's been rushed into the English squad because he played in New Zealand, he played for the Hurricanes. He must be a good number six. It's got it's got that got that feel about him. There's a bit of that. I think there's also an element of the England lack um, the talking leaders in that pack. You've got players like Billy Vinopola who will lead with their actions. Um, but you kind of who's the guy that's going to drag them all around and say a couple of words? Mako Vinopola, um, Itoji, Chris, uh, they're, they're not really the guys who seem to have the words. I think he's there when Robshaw's injured, who obviously Chris Robshaw, ex England ex England captain. I think he's there to, for for his words maybe more than some of his actions, um, and to, to to make sure they keep their heads. But that's that that's a personal. Now, that, that, that's why I think he might be there. Yeah, just pro- probably filling a gap at this stage. I think Chris Robshaw, very very experienced footballer. I mean, say if they could get the likes of Robshaw, Vonnie Pola, <clears throat> excuse me, and Underhill on the paddock at the same time, that's that's an exciting trio. Mm, absolutely. Um, so moving on from that, then we um, had other teams in action around the globe. Um, did you catch the? Uh, the Mario Blacks game against Brazil. Yes, I I did. It was a it was a strange old game. Obviously, conditions <clears throat> pretty much dictated that game. And and listen, credit to credit to Brazil. You know, if somebody told me ten years ago Brazil will have thirty five thousand people at a football stadium <clears throat> watching the New Zealand Māori team, I would have would have probably thought you were on drugs. <laughs> Well, let, well let, let's and, rewind. If someone said two years ago they had 40,000, because they had 40,000 there. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, it just it just shows it just shows the growth of the game. Sometimes I'm it's not very critical of our, our media in in New Zealand. We It's really all about the, the big nations, so to speak. And I think sometimes a lot of the emerging nations or what's going on in those countries kind of gets overlooked, Paul. It, it, it really does in this country, and it gets played down. Even even I sense with even just to give you an example, Japanese rugby is basically seen as a uh, some, somewhere you go to get your pension at, at the end of the day. But up in up in Japan, having you know having spoken to a couple of players who have been up there, the players it's not a long season, but they train the house down the guys that the guys that are over there. And you know the more emerging nations that we've got playing this game. No disrespect to our our friends who follow the round ball code. I actually believe rugby's actually got. I think it's got more growth to go for. Oh, um, it's got. There's, there's a lot of growth. I mean, um, what, what, one of the big things that we that got reported, I think, um, that, that, that seems to have dropped off the radar, um, 
is Madagascar. Uh, I think they managed to get something like fifty-five thousand to a to, to a rugby game um, about three or four years ago. Uh, um, but it's a very poor country. Um, they don't have the they've not been able to invest in the infrastructure to to put together a good team. But hey, they love their rugby there. Um, so there are the, yeah there, there are these pockets of uh, of interest. Um, but having seen what the Brazil crowd was for when they had the USA. I think they had like 15,000. So there is definitely an all, there's, there's also an element of the All Blacks brand does also bring crowds in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely go with that. And, you know, credit to the NZRFU and, and AIG, obviously part of the, from what I understand, part of the New Zealand Māori contractors, they've got to have three games three games a year, I, I, I believe. So if you can play against some of these emerging nations, it'd be fantastic. It'd be fantastic to see so, for example, the New Zealand Māoris head up to Europe next year and maybe get a game against Romania, Georgia, and maybe have a test match, or even Spain. I, I, I think it'd be fantastic. Or maybe even Germany. I, I think that would I, I be fantastic. Um, Christopher tells in the, in the chat that um, Sri Lanka are getting uh, 40,000 to games as well, which is amazing. Um, now, well, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going to head down a rabbit hole here and tell you my... One of my ways of helping uh, the the islands to improve their rugby is I think that as a rugby championship warm-up game, the Wallabies, the All Blacks and the Maori All Blacks should go and play a game in the islands. So basically the Wallabies say go to Fiji, the All Blacks go to Samoa, um, the Maori All Blacks go to Tonga, and then the following year they rotate. Um, so you end, and, and each year they rotate and every Every season, um, every, a, a, a pre-rugby championship, um, they should go over to the Pacific Islands uh, and, and play one game. That would allow the Pacific Islands to know they would get a home game against a serious team that, that would that, they, that would draw a crowd, that they could build up um, commercial agreements with with companies for sponsorship, etc. Behind the scenes, sell corporate tickets and that kind of stuff, and build those connections. Um, and so that's there you go. That's my um, uh, that, 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 that's my big thing. That I would just like to say that, that, that I think they should be doing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's got a lot of merit, and you know, at this point in time, Samoa especially. You know, we briefly touched on Samoa. What's happening there? But it's just as, there's almost that perception that either teams have jumped above them or they've dropped off a little bit. I suspect there's a there's a there's a bit of the two in that component. And if you think back to the 1990 World Cup. You know, when they when they beat 1991 World Cup, beg your pardon, when they beat Wales, you know, that, that was an amazing performance. We thought their rugby would, would, would pretty much go on from there, but it hasn't quite happened. It's almost it's almost plateaued. Okay, there could be these question marks over the administration in that country. So we've got to do our best as the closest, one of the closer allies along with Australia, is to get, is to get it up and running again. I, I, I wonder if a South, has a South African team ever played up in the Pacific? Not that I'm aware of. I, I don't think so, no. Um, uh, but some, uh, Christian says Frank have a rugby team and didn't know that. Um, they do. They've also had some controversy around uh, some dodgy passports um, and uh, eligibility of players in Sri Lanka as well. But anyway, we'll, we won't so we won't go there. Um, yeah. But I think one of the good things for me about the, about the Maori trip to Brazil has been all the cultural videos. Um, we've seen the singing, uh, the, the welcomes they've had in Brazil, the welcome they had in, in, in Chile. Uh, they're, they're really... Uh, uh, they're, they're really embracing that side of things, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, listen, it, it's fantastic. Obviously, a lot of culture involved in in in, in, the, in the likes of Chile and, and, and Brazil. You know, culture is a big big part of their lifestyle style in uh, in, in South America. So, uh, I think probably the the Maori the Maori, New Zealand Maori team, I think, are the perfect team to be to be in South South America at at, at this stage. Uh, it's good. It's it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Um, I think the um, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they the Brazil lost three thirty five. Um, I think we're going to see something similar um, against Chile this weekend as well. Uh, but uh, but it's not so much the score, uh, but it's more just given the experience and the exposure um, of, of of those things. The other team that's playing, obviously, uh, the Black Ferns played France in a wet game. Um, and boy, they were given a bit of a test, weren't they? Unlike, uh, unlike oh, against USA. You know, the, the French dominated the first half of that game. It's just that they, 
you know, the opportunities that they had, they couldn't finish. They put the they put the Black Ferns under a ton of pressure. Uh, credit to the um, Black Ferns. Is it Glenn Moore who's the the coach of the Black Ferns? Uh, I think yeah, it is. Idea, I, mean, I think. I think it might be Glenn Moore. Credit to him. They obviously changed their game plan and decided, listen, we need to use what we've got, which is size. We've got some big ball runners. They started going up through the middle. And probably just really in the space of a, a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, they scored They scored two tries, one from one from close range. And then we also saw a very good break, I think it was from uh, Cheryl Walker, who made a good break and offload try, try in the corner, which was amazingly converted from the uh, sideline by the little halfback that's just gone out. Uh, is it Sandra Coxhead? I think the yeah. halfback is for the... Black, Black Ferns, she amazingly converted it from the sideline in very, very st- sticky conditions. But on another given day, you know, France, they had the opportunities. They even scored, almost scored right on the hooter, just a knock on here, knock on there. If they'd probably scored early, if they'd actually put some points on, I think they would have put a lot more points on the, the Black Ferns. It was, a, it was a very physical game. There was a lot of niggle. Of course, once... We talk about heavy atmosphere and hostile crowds. It probably wasn't the biggest crowd there. It probably looked like they might have been eight to 10,000, but boy, you knew they were there. <laughs> when uh, New Zealand were having either either a kick at goal or there was a perceived uh, uh, little bit of, bit of foul play, there were a couple of really good hits too from the, the Black Firms, which the, the crowd didn't like, but, you know, fortunately the referee didn't see anything in it. I, I do understand one of the... Black Fern girls that has been cited from the uh, the game on Saturday. I'm not looks. I do apologise. I didn't do any uh, re- research, but I I did did read on read online. One of the ladies has been cited for an incident that happened during the game. But man alive, you, you just you just got the impression watching the body language of the, the New Zealand players that wasn't so much sheer excitement to win. It was just relief. More than anything else, and if you watch the body language of the of the French girls, yeah, they were ticked. So it's going to be very interesting this this weekend, and I suspect you'll get a big crowd where where the venue is for. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where the um, uh, where that is. I'm just trying to search up for um, uh, to see if I can find any, any news on that um, that sighting. But yeah, no, I can't see any 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 news on the sighting um, on, online. With Google, um, but the uh, yeah, I, it's obviously yeah they're playing a double header, which is interesting because um, yeah, it's not this, this time of year we don't sort of think about it as as, as being tossed to a specific country, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a cracker now watching them play each other again um, next weekend. Uh, the um, I think that's actually in the early hours of Sunday uh, that that's going to happen. Um, so um, again, so, so yes, yeah, so the rematch oh, um, um, there. Um, so let's turn our thoughts now towards the the big game of the year, Ireland um, versus uh, versus New Zealand. Um, this uh, I mean, obviously Chicago springs uh, springs to mind, uh, and uh, the game in Dublin after that was um, rough, um, physical, uh, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, are we yeah, are we going to see the All Blacks try and do? Something similar, do you think, to, to rough up the Irish, or do you think we're going to have a, or, or, or we're going to stay a bit cleaner this time? Well, it's, uh, you, you know, the, 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 fascinating, the fascinating thing for me is, is, is even before we look at the teams, is going to be the battle of the, the, the coaches. The real, the real key, the real key for me is going to be Joe, Joe Schmidt. One, no question, they will, they will be hurting after that, after that loss because they'll probably feel that they got bullied. By, by the All Blacks in, in that second game, and let's 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 face it, the All Blacks just went out there with a whole lot of physicality, and it was probably and they throughout that game, I, I never I never ever felt the All Blacks were going to lose that game. It was almost like you were fighting your little brother, and you had an arm's length. You had you know he was trying to punch you, but you had the you were pushing him away. There was there was a wee bit of that at the minute. It, it's just a shame for Ireland to lose. To lose Connor, Connor, Connor Murray, Sean O'Brien, and Robbie Henshaw. Those three, those three have been a big part of those side, of that particular side. And, and sure, you've got the likes. You've still got the likes of Johnny Six in there, and 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 a few other key key players. 
out there, but it, it, to me, it just take it just takes something a little little bit away from it. What I'd love to see in Ireland at full strength. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited and a good start time if you're here <laughs> in New Zealand. 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's actually a cracking start time. And I, I will be, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be up watching that one. Um, and actually, uh, do subscribe to this channel because I will be on live with uh, Max from the UK um, straight after the game, uh, giving us giving you post-match reaction. Um, and also a shout-out to the 1014. If you're watching it on your big-screen TV, whack the 1014 on your computer um, because they'll be pulling out little, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be running their second screen um, and they'll be, just giving you uh, little tips and hints as to what's going on uh, and sh- showing you little play diagrams as to what's uh, joined the game. So, so, uh, so pull those guys up. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the, I, well, I think New Zealand stepped over the mark with the physicality in that game uh, last time in Dublin, to be honest with you. Um, and um, yeah, I hope we don't see quite the same, the, the same again. I guess the one thing I'm praying for out of this game is we just don't have refereeing discussion afterwards. Um, to me, I, just, I want one side to win clean, clear, clearly, um, and not to any refereeing discussions. That, that's that's my that, that, that's my big thing. Um, I think Sean O'Brien, another one of these players that just never seems to be able to string more than two games together, unfortunately. Um, so it, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's that big a loss for them because they 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 have got players who um, who are used to replacing him. Unfortunately, um, um, one of the big the players though, that if if Rob Kearney isn't back. I think he's going to be a big, um, a big player at fullback, um, uh, missing for them. Uh, with um, I mean, Lamore is can do some wonderful things with ball in hand, but he's going to have to get his positioning right um, for for the uh, to receive kicks um, that, that, that he's going to get. Because I suppose the All Blacks, as much as we talk about them being playing wonderful, um, wonderful rugby, they do kick more than any other team in the world. Yeah, yeah, they. They will, and they 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 will they will probably see that as a as an opportunity. If there's any if there's any weakness out there, I'm pretty sure they'll exploit it. You know, even the All Blacks. You, you think back to England, <clears throat> whilst they got the win, there'll probably be a a tad bit of disappointment there that they didn't completely put completely put the English away. So they'll be they'll be looking to, I think they'll be looking for an improvement on on this performance. So, you know, if you listen to some, if you listen to the talk. Steve, for Steve Henson to come out and say whoever wins this is the number one side in the world, that's a, that's a pretty big statement. You know, I, I don't know whether it's a mind game statement. Um, it, 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 there, okay. there probably is. A few guys when you're going to be the best team in the world. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a bit of that, bit of reverse, bit of reverse psychology going on, methinks. Um, right, so, so, so my, my thoughts around this one is I mean, one of the things you hear when. Um, and Eddie James has said this before, is that he, when he talks to the press, he isn't talking to the public. He's talking to his players. And he's trying to get a message across to them. What we've seen from Hansen is that he tends to talk up games, whereas a lot of other refs, a lot of other coaches try and talk down games um, to try and not get their players too hyped. Me, I think this is actually part of the whoops, Rugby World Cup final training. Because the Rugby World Cup final, you cannot um, downplay it's a big event. Players will get caught up with the situ- will get caught up with the with the occasion. So if you take the biggest game of the year, which this is, and then you try and hype it as much as possible, you're kind of preparing your players for what will what they will receive in the Rugby World Cup final. So I think in some ways he's talking it up more to get his players used to that kind of thing than any kind of mind games between the teams. That's my. I, I think I think it's actually a coaching strategy from that point of view. Mm-hmm. So well, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it, it, it pans out. I, you know, I, I think for Joe, Joe Joe Schmidt, it'll I think I think we'll also you know he's already it's been highlighted some of the marvelous things that he's done with Irish rugby, especially in and in and around the depth. But I, I'd probably I'd bet you dollars dollars to donuts they probably would have preferred if he had Connor Murray there, especially as as the tactician behind the, the scrum, even though the replacement who scored two tries. And you're going to tell me who his name is? Kieran Marmion. He scored one try. Right, he scored he scored one try yep. against Argentina. Admittedly, off the back of a very good uh, of a very good uh, scrummaging performance. It's it's probably one area where they might have a crack at the All Blacks is, is actually at, at scrum time. They've got some good quality to come off the bench in the middle row, especially with you can roll somebody off 
you can roll somebody off the bench who's taller than Brody Retallick. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> that 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 pretty much uh, that pretty much says something. No, it, it's going to be an interesting battle. I I like the look of um, I've always liked the look of Peter Mahoney and, and CJ Stander. They're just such hard working hard working forwards, especially Stander. Stander being so good at the uh, over the ball. And Mahoney just does a, a lot of a lot of clean up work. I'm it's sorry, I'm, 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 I'm just because I have the opportunity, and it's very rare I do to correct people's pronunciations. Omani, not Omoni. Omani. <laughs> yeah, it's not how it's spelt. Um, oh, Omani. Omani. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he brings the mongrel to that team definitely, um, which is which is very good. Um, the uh, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in at um, uh, with. Um, who comes in at 13 as well? Will they stick with Will Addison, who debuted against um, Argentina, or will they, um, or will they go for Gary Ringrose with um, with, with Henshaw missing? Um, but uh, that, that's that's going to be interesting uh, uh, as well. Otherwise, I think the the, the side we saw against um, Argentina is what we're going to see um, against uh, uh, against the All Blacks um, as, as well. And um, from an All Black 23. Uh, Obviously, Sonny Bill Williams, Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams <laughs> is injured, but uh, that, that's pretty much going to be the only change, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Can't can't really see any any other changes. Obviously, um, Ryan Crotty will will partner Jack Goodhue in, in, in the midfield, and once again, that'll give them combination. I, I've always find, found that a, a wee bit strange ever since Jack Goodhue actually came into. Came in as a as a likely midfield prospect for the All Blacks. That Crotty was wasn't always the automatic choice because they've got their combination with the Crusaders. I could never quite work that out. If you think back to that great combination from the Hurricanes, Conrad Smith and Nonu, well, they had that combination of, of playing together. And usually, if you see, you know, you can think of some of the some of the best midfield combinations we've seen in the history of rugby. Are usually guys that have that have probably played a played a bit together. You know, Walter Little, Walter Little, Frank Bunce. Um, I'm not too sure. Carling and Gustav played for the for the same club, but man, they were no, but they were a hell of a combination together. So, you know, so when you Car- yeah, when Car- you, Carling you, was Carling was Harlequins and Gusket was Bath. Um, but yeah. um, the um, I, I think there's also an element of if Crotty, we, they know what Crotty and Goodhue can do. They've seen it quite a lot, but they don't know what he can do, and, they and they're not—they've not seen him playing next to the players. Uh, and I think he needs to get um, uh, game time with them in case Crotty's injured come Rugby World Cup. So I think that's why they deliberately aren't—why well, they deliberately not put them together in the All Blacks is because he's already got time with those players. We're running out of time with the Rugby World Cup coming up. He needs time with other players in case he has to play with them uh, come crunch time. Again, I think it's part of that. Mm development thing um, a couple of questions um, so Alex goes could Dane Coles start um, he could but I don't think he will I think they'll stick with Cody Taylor I don't think Taylor's had anything to lose his place um, really no um, and Coles about to say Coles just to the person who asked the question I think Coles will just add something off the bench anyway regardless um, and the way you know Cody Taylor de- de- deserves to be the incumbent at this stage. He's he's been probably one of well Coles' way. He's, he's your first he's your first hooker pick, and I think out, out of out of respect he should get the start. And then Christian goes um, D Mac to start at fullback. Yes, I think so. I think he'll start at fullback. Um, I think uh, Naholo didn't do himself any favors at all in Japan to try and force himself back into that right wing position. Um, and D Mac, yeah, he. He offers something different to anybody else, a, a bit like a um, uh, Neymar or Scudder. They're two players offer something different to anyone else. In fact, that, that they spark something from nothing, um, and so that's why I think. So yes, that's why I think we'll see. Yeah, we'll see Damian McKenzie uh, at fullback. Yeah, yeah for, for a little guy, he's he's amazing. Well, I mean, I mean, so when I when I say little, <clears throat> most people think he only looks about five foot six or five seven, but he. <laughs> Yes, he is actually five. I think he's around about five nine or five, about five ten, from what I believe. So he's not he's not ultras. We'll probably see something about the size, some of the other backs there. But it's just his when he decides to run, just that acceleration 
<clears throat> if he if he sees half again, he is absolutely gone. And and he's actually quite strong as well. He can step his way. He can actually step his way through the tackle. It's just his acceleration, which is just you know, he's obviously of, of a size that's just really aw- awkward to tackle as well. So yeah, he, he's a hell of a footballer. He's a, he's a real surprise to me because I've got to admit, if you go back two or three months, probably didn't really come into my conversation as a fullback, uh, Paul. So um, he's he's made. He's made every opportunity a winner. Good on him. Yeah, good. And, and I think one of the things we don't talk about much, uh, we don't talk about much actually in rugby players full stop is, but um, uh, is is his his rugby brain as well. Um, something that, that stuck out to me during the the game against England uh, was Kieran Reid picked the ball up somehow, um, and um, Dane McKenzie read it, saw saw it was on, and put himself and, and immediately ran to get the pass and the offload. Because he uh, and he was there before anyone else, not so much because of his pace, but because he thought about it and saw it before anyone else did, and got there f- and, and, and therefore was moving first. Um, and I think that's something we don't uh, necessarily sort of look for or, or notice as much with players is, is their, their their intelligence. I think it's very clever, um, not necessarily clever off the pitch. I don't know. I've never met him and talked to him, but I think it's very yeah, rugby clever um, in spotting those sort of things as well. And and, and, that, and that's the that's the little instinctive things that that marks a very very good 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 rugby player. Just just the ability to see to see things that your your, your average footballer doesn't see. So the twenty three jersey, um, Anton Leonard Brown again, or uh, yeah, yep, yeah, Anton Leonard Brown. Um, so yeah, so he comes yep. back in that. Not not uh, not um, not Jordy Barrett. That would be a surprise if I, you know, if one of you, if you're one of your your midfielders go down, you're talking about Barrett possibly going into the midfield, maybe after seeing Jordy this year running around for the Hurricanes. And you know, I actually felt sorry. I felt really sorry for him because once again, backing the track way back to Super Rugby, that was more of a that was more of a stopgap measure. It was in the to me, it was in the same vein as Rico Ioane popping up at second five or centre for the Blues because of because of injuries. So, I, 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 you know, sometimes coaches, to me, probably see things that you know, your average your average person your average person doesn't doesn't see. But I think in Chris Boyd to have seen Jordy Barrett as a possible centre, no, I think I think I, I think the coach might have missed the boat on that one. Well, I think Jordy's talked about the fact he wants to play twelve eventually. Um, and again, uh, and uh, Rico's talked about him wanting to, wanting to play thirteen. But I think both those things are post rugby World Cup. Um, I don't think that, yeah, yeah definitely um, for, for for that. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. I think it'd be Anthony Brown. I was just trying to be controversial. Um, now they've called up La Mappy, um into the squad. Did they? I mean, I, I, it seemed to me it seemed a bit, a bit of overkill. I thought with Having um, uh, Crotty, Goodhue, Anselm Brown, they had the three centres. Um, I thought uh, for, for for Ireland against Italy, Ben Smith or um, or Jordy Barrett could spit put could go into the centres for that game. Um, it seemed a bit of overkill bringing bringing um, Lamapi up just for the just for the Italy game. Totally, totally agree. Listen, <clears throat> if if Henson is correct and Sunny Bill. Is available for that last game. You know, quite frankly, I, I wouldn't be playing him. I'd, <clears throat> I think for Sonny to get his con- confidence back, first of all, he needs to get himself right. Go away and have a preseason. Get ready for the Blues season, and come come out and and do what you do best. Play, play, play good code because at the moment, in terms of the in terms in terms of picking order order midfielders, you'd probably have to say Crotty, Goodhue. Anton Leonard Brown, Lamapi, then Williams. He's probably ranked at five if you if you if you're talking midfielders at this stage in terms of picking order, where Lamapi was easily probably not the number five before this tour started. But you know, once again, I, I just think with Sonny Bill, maybe just not enough not not enough rugby this year. Although what I what I am what there is a slight little thing going on in my brain. Has has not so much father time caught up with you, but has 
some of the other have some of the other guys got more strength at their base. That is what I'm saying. I I I. I... I don't know. I think it's more that uh, you just you just not being able to string more than about three games together without getting injured this season. Um, and I think I think he just needs to go away, as you say, have a proper preseason, get himself get himself uh, get, or get rid of all the niggles, um, and just string some games together. Um, I'm, I'm, is what he needs. I was about to say I'm, I'm staggered at the criticism we've got now. Not obviously we may have some some uh, watches that are international watches. <clears throat> what you won't understand over there, a good. Part of the rugby public have a love-hate relationship with with Sonny Bill Williams. You either love him, you either love or you hate or you hate him. I, I personally think he's been brilliant for the code over here. <clears throat> and from what I understand, off off the field, you couldn't wish a nicer guy. Not to mention some of the charities that he that he's involved in. Yeah, sure, he gets involved with with, with boxing charity, boxing matches, and and what have you. And and for some reason, the people got a perception in around him that it's all about Sonny, if you know what I mean over here, which is just absolutely crazy because I'll tell you what, I reckon any other international team around the world would pick him up every day of the week and close on Sunday. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, that, um, that maybe it was a bit more about him in his early days, uh, but I think mm-hmm. he's, he, yeah, you say, I think he's grown up, mellowed. Um, he's not going off boxing now. Um and doing all this kind of stuff. I think he was just perhaps just uh, couldn't sit still um, when he was a bit younger um, and that now and needed to be doing something, needed to be challenged the whole time. Where I think now, yeah, as you say, I think he's aged well um, and uh, in, in, into that kind of role. Paul, one thing I was going to say, there's a, there's a train of thought that <clears throat> off, off, off the field, all in terms of work ethic, in terms of training ethic, in terms of a older, experienced, professional head, that they have in the squad, he's absolutely brilliant and almost in the same light as somebody like Kevin Mialamu. I remember Kevin Mialamu towards the end of his career, there were a lot of question marks in around. Why is he kept? Why is he? Why why did the selectors keep picking him? Well, they kept picking him because of all the, the work that he did with a, a lot of the, the younger players. And if at the time, I think Dan Cold might have been the number one hooker. If your number one hooker went down, he still had an experienced head. In the background, so I think there's a there's a wee bit of that as 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 well. You know that older older statesman. Uh, you know you, you can't question he's he's never been a player that's that's either come back whether he's come back from rugby league or boxing. He's always been in brilliant shape. It's yep. really just injury that have curtailed. You know the same can't be said over the years about players like Julian Savia, Ma Nonu. We all know that at, that at times during their career. They haven't come back in good shape, and to me, as a supporter, uh, as a as a as an All Black supporter, or even indeed a Hurricane supporter, I'd be more annoyed about that 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 the players that I support aren't coming back in good shape. Yep, no, yep, agreed. Yeah, have to. Uh, and uh, I think there's also an element of in a lot of people, especially overseas, would go, "Oh, um, if you had to front up to Kieran Reid and tell him this, oh, sorry, Kieran, it's, um, to." Um, Oh, I've gone blank. Uh, Rich McCorp and tell him this, um, would you do it within the All Blacks camp? But I think there's an awful lot of actually, would you stand in front of, um, of Mialamu and say that, uh, that you, that you behave this way? I think he was more the moral, um, uh, yardstick, um, in some ways for that, um, for, for, for that crowd, uh, than, than Kieran Reid was because, yeah, it, it's, he was, yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's a very he's a very Christian guy. He's a very uh, he, I, don't, I don't believe he drinks. Doesn't go doesn't doesn't do big nights out or anything. And so he was a guy who just didn't do any of that sort of stuff. And you've got to go up in front of him and tell him, sorry, I did this. And I think yeah, I think he kind of uh, kept them. Uh, was, was perhaps that moral uh, barometer rather than Kieran Reid in some ways in that in that uh, in that squad. Yeah, not not I'm def- I'm definitely not to prepared prepared to write him off. I remember. Pre two thousand and fifteen, remember the number of people that were writing Richie McCaw off? It, it was it was insane. <laughs> he looked low. I remember a couple of Super Rugby games where he missed a couple of tackles, and you know the same was being said about Dan Carter as well. Even though I even I probably had my doubts at the time, but man, these guys, you know, class. As what's that saying? Class is class is permanent, isn't it, Paul? Absolutely, and and yeah, no, I think everyone 
uh, yeah, thought Dan Carr was a bit glass um, at one point. And same with someone like um, Johnny Wilkinson. I mean, he went, he, he oh. had like three, he had like four or five years where he was uh, basically broken the whole time. I uh, went down to the south of France, and it's amazing what a bit of good weather will do for you. Um, yeah. so- <laughs> Did he win? Oh, he went down there and won a whole bunch of titles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thank you very much yet again. It has been an absolute blast. Um, We will obviously watch the game with um, a lot of uh, a lot of interest this um, this Sunday morning. As I say, uh, do uh, get on this channel straight after the game because I will be within about five five or so minutes after that final whistle. I will be doing my live live post match reaction. Um, And if you look, if you want some uh, some company during the game. Sign up for the uh, get, go to the ten fourteen. They'll be running a second screen um, as 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 well. So up there to subscribe to this channel, down there to subscribe to my main channel. Two videos there that you'll love um, if you've got to this sort of stage. And uh, Steve, thanks a lot again. No, not a problem. Really looking forward to it, Paul. Thank you.